If you read um, the Gospels carefully and as a whole, I feel like the parables, Jesus' depiction of God, the Father, the Master, in the parables, often depicts him as not prudent in in business, like he's not a good businessman. Um, At least that's the way he depicts him. And often the parables have some kind of twist in them to make us think, you know, because God's priorities are so different than ours um, that we're like, I wouldn't do it that way. You know, a good example would be the, the shepherd who leaves behind the 99 and goes after the one. He says, what, what shepherd wouldn't go after the one sheep and leave behind the 99? Well, the answer is obvious. Almost no shepherd would, would do that. Any shepherd that was prudent about his sheep would say, bummer, I lost one, but I'm going to invest in my 99 and protect them. But he says, no, the good shepherd goes after the one lost sheep. It's that one that his heart longs for and, and goes out to. Another example you might not think of is the parable of the sower, where the sower goes out to sow seed and he throws it everywhere. He throws it on the path. He throws it on the rocky ground. He throws it in the thorns. And he also throws it on the good soil. Well, any farmer knows that the seed is valuable. You know, you pay a lot of for the seed. Or it's the, the food that you didn't sell last year or didn't eat so that you could save to plant and sow this year. You're not going to waste it. But God just throws it everywhere. And, and it's the, um, the job of the earth to be to receptive and to, to grow that good seed. But there's plenty of seed to go around according, according to, to God. Um, another one that's more even like more businessy is when he, uh, the master goes out to hire workers for his vineyard and he goes at dawn and hires a bunch of people, and then he goes at noon and hires a bunch of people, and then in the afternoon, and then finally at the last hour of the day, he hires people. And so they all work different hours, and then when they come up to get paid, they all get the same wages. And of course, the people who worked all day are really mad. And uh, he says, are you jealous because I'm generous? You know? um, so the lesson is always, like, whatever the lesson is, some, I think that sometimes they're meant to confuse us and just to kind of disorient us, to, to be more open to this divine way of, of seeing reality and relating to God. Um, but what's clearly not important to God is that he gets everything he's owed. You know, that everybody is just given exactly what they deserve and nothing more, nothing less. The way Jesus depicts the Father in the parables is so generous, so open, so merciful. Um, This gospel today is legendarily hard to understand. Um, What is Jesus saying about God in this parable of the dishonest steward, who apparently, again, this master has hired a steward to steward his resources, which is to say he makes sure he collects all the debts and, and manages his business affairs. He's a terrible steward, and he squandered all the property, okay? And so he gets fired. And what he does in his last couple days of work, I guess, is to call in all the master's debtors and basically write fake promissory notes. You owe 100? Okay, just write one for 50. You owe 100? Write one for 80. And then what happens? The master praises him for his prudence. He says, that's smart, you know, because you, you, you've made friends with dishonest wealth, and so they'll welcome you into their homes. Um, what is he saying? That we should lie? <laughs> you know, that we should write fake promissory notes? That we should cheat and stuff like that? Um, no, obviously not. We shouldn't sin. Um, but what it maybe is saying, and this is, you know, goes to all these other parables, these other examples, that God is not really an accountant. 
I think that sometimes we treat him like an accountant, like he's like a bean counter, but he's not. God is a father, um, and he loves us. I thought of this as a, a parable over retreat, because we, uh, Father Tim and I and Father Luke, this priest up at, at the retreat in Wisconsin where our uh, students were this weekend, we heard confessions for a couple hours, and I was thinking about what, what to say about this uh, gospel today. And it just occurred to me that, who am I as a priest? Like, any time that I have the privilege of hearing an extended period of confessions, like at a Sikh conference or a retreat, um, it just occurs to me, people are pouring out their hearts, people are confessing their sins, and I'm like, yeah, do three Hail Marys and go on your way. <laughs> you know, like, you're forgiven. And I'm a sinner, they're sinners, and we're all just, like, writing each other promissory notes. Um, that, yes, God forgives you. And there's no way you could ever make restitution anyway. So just receive the gift. Um, over COVID, when, we, when the, um, everything was locked down still, there were a few of us priests who were able to actually go to the hospitals and give people last rites, anointing of the sick, in, only in um, situations of, of extreme danger of death, basically, like for specifically people who are COVID positive. Um, and this was like November 2020, when it, there was a really, really big wave and tons and tons of people were dying. And there were a few weeks in there where I was going almost multiple times a day. Some, some days I was going multiple times a day, but at least every day I was getting calls um, to go to, to Rush or to Stroger or to Mount Sinai. And it, uh, it just was like so crazy because by, by the time that they were calling as priests, people were on ventilators, people were dying, people could not respond to any prayers or receive communion, but they could get the anointing of the sick and what's called the apostolic pardon, which is basically uh, remission of all sins, all temporal punishment for sins, including purgatory. And you just kind of like set the soul off to heaven, you know. Um, and who knows what this person's done, if this person is really repentant. But the church deems it very important that people have access to this gift of forgiveness, that if their hearts are disposed to receive it, that we don't count out who deserves it. You know, and it just was so obvious to me, like people with their eyes closed, with ventilators in, just giving them Jesus' forgiveness. He forgives you. I would even pray the act of contrition on their behalf before I gave them absolution. Um, that God is not a bean counter. He's not an accountant. He is a father, and he just wants his children home with him. Um, there's a couple ways I think that we, we often, I often treat God like an accountant and not a father. One is presumption when we presume on this mercy. It's one thing to trust in God's mercy, to know that he will always forgive us, know that he will always love us. But presumption is something else. Presumption is I know that he will forgive me, you know, uh, in the future. So I'm free to sin now. I don't have to pay attention to God. I don't have to repent of my sins because I'll do that later. I'm just kind of counting on it's in it, it. It's counting on God's mercy in a manner that allows me to distance myself from him even just for a time. Versus trust in God's mercy, which is not a matter of God will forgive me, but God wants to forgive me now. And so it's a trust that leads me to not hold him at a distance for a time, but to run to him right now. Go home to the Father. Go to confession. Ask for forgiveness. Receive the gift. Um, he's not an accountant. I remember there was a time I was on the golf course with these guys when I was in the seminary, and somebody said, you know, they were going to, uh, 
they did they were they were going to do something like minorly sinful or minorly immoral or something like that and he goes it's okay because it's only a venial sin and i'm going to go to mass tomorrow anyway so i'll be forgiven um and we just laughed because we're like oh yeah that's like catholic arithmetic you know like okay that's that's only like x uh, value of sinfulness and the eucharist is x negative x so we've like you know got zero you're, you're good you clean slate but that, that's just presumption it's not treating god like a father, like a person, it's treating him like an accountant. Uh, accountants are people too, but you know what I mean. Just like, a, like an adding machine, basically. Um, okay, so not presumption, but trust. And then the second way I think we often do this is by objectifying God or, or objectifying our prayer life, our spiritual life. Sometimes people say things like, prayer is really dry right now. You know, I go, I'm going to Mass, I'm praying, but nothing's happening. And I'm wondering, like, am I doing it wrong or, or whatever? Um, these are good questions, but do we notice that we're treating prayer as, like, a technique? Like, maybe I'm not giving God what he wants, and so he's not giving me what I want. There's a difference between saying, my prayer is dry, and God, I really miss you. You know, the one is just sort of like a calculation, an assessment of an objective reality, and one is this subjective way of communicating, of treating God as a person, that I have a heart, he has a heart, I'm his beloved son, beloved child, and he's my loving father, and I can run to him, I can I, he, treat him like a person as he treats me as a person. Um, so I would just encourage you to, to um, maybe like wade into the confusion of, of what Jesus is trying to uh, portray in these parables, sometimes troubling and sometimes distressing, like, what, what is God really like? Um, well, he's not a good businessman. Like, if he was trying to invest his, his money smartly, he wouldn't have given, like, a million of his dollars to slaves to, to invest. Or he wouldn't have paid all these people the same amount, even though they work different hours. Or, or he wouldn't go after the one sheep and leave behind the 99. Yes, those things are not that important to him, that everything is exactly where it should be, or everyone's getting exactly what they deserve and nothing more. He's not a good businessman, but he's a perfect father. God loves us with his whole heart. And there's nothing he wouldn't pay to have us home. He's paid the greatest price possible to him, his own son. And in the Mass, he gives us him again and again and again. Every single Sunday, every single day, every single time we come to this altar, we receive the cost of our salvation, which is the blood, the body of Jesus. So let's not receive it presumptively, but let's receive it with total trust in God's love for us.